0: Hey friends, you're in for a treat today with our good old friend, Dr. Eric Weinstein, joining us for a quarterly update on life, liberty, and the pursuit of getting off this planet. We talked a lot about uh, geometric unity and his uh, ideas about the future of physics and getting off of the planet, as I say. Uh, And we're going to talk about all sorts of topics, including his concerns, fears, and anxiety about the hair, trigger and high-stakes activities going on in geopolitics. I hope you'll subscribe to the channel and leave a comment, thumbs up, would you like the best about this video? And also uh, what you'd like to hear us talk about in the future, that'll be a lot of fun to hear as well. Make sure you stay tuned. Uh, As I say, we've got a Pulitzer Prize winner, Ed Yong, coming on the podcast, Walter Isaacson talking about Nobel Prize winner Jennifer Doudna and his wonderful book, The Codebreaker and Ben Franklin and all sorts of other cool interviews as well as upcoming conversations with uh, folks like Phil Goff and uh, his claim that everything is conscious panpsychic consciousness pervades the universe so I hope you'll enjoy it stay tuned and subscribe and now let's go into the impossible with the state of the multiverse with our friend dr. Eric Weinstein
1: let's go any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic Open the pod
0: bay doors, please, pal. Welcome, everybody, to a quarterly update with Time's man of the microsecond. No, no, this this is perhaps one of the greatest of all friends and neighbors. It is Eric Weinstein joining me today to speak about the state of the multiverse. Eric, how are you doing? Good, sir. Great, Brian. How are you? It's great to see you. I wish we were in person. Uh, we're going to have to make that happen. <clears throat> it's been a, been a month or two. It's a little too long. Start going through Einstein withdrawal symptoms. I get the shakes. Um, this is uh, being recorded after, uh, well, it's before uh, the traditional April Fool's holiday that we both solemnly celebrate every year uh, and celebrate last year with a live episode. Uh, but this is being recorded afterwards, and uh, and I might be mistaken, but there might be some news afoot in your particular uh, area of the multiverse. Why don't you share any news that you'd like to share right up front?
1: Well, I don't know really that I, um, yeah, it sounds like I'm supposed to say I'm pregnant, but.
0: uh, (laughs) Mazel (laughs) tov. Thank you. Um,
1: I think, I think what's going on with me is that uh, I'm trying to understand why i'm perceiving a different situation and a different planet than the rest of my brethren i'm i feel like we're being called to do very specific things we're clearly not doing them and a lot of this is being driven by the accident if you will of um, vladimir putin taking some initiative in eastern europe
0: (laughs) yeah i mean it's amazing we spoke on Christmas Eve, I think it was last time uh, for the podcast, <clears throat> and you know, at that time, I was like, ah, maybe things are calming down. It seems like maybe the end of the COVID is in sight. The Omicron is gonna put a blissful end, and maybe things will settle down. But what do you make of this? Uh, my father, you know, of blessed memory, used to go to bed every night listening to Art Bell, uh, who is a, a Titanic individual in the world of broadcasting. You may know of him, you may not. He used to do like a 12-hour radio show, and then he'd sign off at 3 in the morning, and then he'd go on ham radio <laughs> for like another eight. This guy was a, was a titan in the field. Anyway, the, uh, the point that he would often bring up is that the pace of humanity is accelerating, not the uh, Kurzweil-esque singularity but this sort of quickening that news cycles, that events, that Titanic shifts are occurring faster and faster and ever more so after September 11th, of course. But I feel like it's unsustainable. Uh, I feel like we cannot get off uh, of this cycle of, of just in constant adrenaline hits. Uh, so I was, you know, in need of talking to you many times in the last couple of months. And I know the audience was too, but how are we going to make I mean, is it, it, where do you see us going? Let's let's just not bury the lead. Are are we headed towards a r- incredibly serious uh, nuclear confrontation with a with an armed, nearly seventy year old individual with a nearly eighty year old individual at the helm of the free world?
1: Probably not. But probably not means less than fifty percent. So, if I actually do the math on this and no one can because it's not a math problem, but metaphorically, if I start to compile the facts, mm-hmm. I would guess that we are running between 1% and 5% chance of a nuclear exchange over no known ideology oh. um, before this Ukrainian adventure uh, has concluded. And... One thing that I've learned is that if the odds aren't over 50%, a giant percentage of the population says, well, it's unlikely. All right. They don't weight it against what we're talking about. So you know, for me, I, I would like to be able to whisper, I don't know, maybe it's 3%, maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 1%. We're running some catastrophic risk of having the Mahabharata Box B minor mass, um, all of the uh, sporting events that have ever been held with fantastic outcome, Bob Beeman's long jump, all of that being obliterated by the choices of what I take to be five relatively undistinguished human beings. And that would be Putin, Biden, Zelensky, Xi, and uh, Kim in North Korea. And I'm looking at these people. I mean, this is to say nothing of Iran or Modi and India, but just just the five people I named are reevaluating the chessboard. The World War II order has now broken. Mm-hmm. Um, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia um, is unprecedented in the 21st century, and it is very well-precedented in the 20th. So the thing that was holding everything together is now broken. And we're living through something that is akin to the Cuban Missile Crisis, in my estimation. But until all of the news outlets say the odds are, you know, considerably north of the odds during the Cuban Missile Crisis, no one's going to wake up. Now, why are the odds so high? It's not capitalism versus communism. It's not Protestants versus versus versus, you know Catholics. It's not Hindus versus uh, Muslims. It's we got into a habit during peacetime of um, just deciding that every time we could expand NATO, that was a great thing. And depending upon how you think about that, either it's a wonderful strategy for um, you know really controlling Russia by encircling it with allies of the West, or it's a provocation, just the way we would see it if it was happening in our hemisphere, and somehow China was setting up a base in Toronto or something.
0: Right. Although, you know, to push back with respect on that, when you look at, uh, you know, our territorial aspirations, it wasn't like, you know, we were threatening Russia, we weren't, uh, we meaning Ukraine, rather, Uh, wasn't necessarily actively threatening to invade Russia, per se, whereas, you know, provocation um, on the Mexican, you know, border with the United States or Canadian border, you know, that is There's what reason would it have other than territorial expansion, as proven in 2014, 2013, and now in 2022? It's not. It's not like Putin hasn't (laughs) he he hasn't demonstrated that he's willing to uh, take have territorial aspirations for what he perceives as a benefit to him. So, uh, I I I think it would be somewhat different, right, than just to say NATO now, uh, you know, or Mexico now joins the Warsaw Pact, which doesn't exist, but
1: I. I really don't know what to say, Brian. A lot of us were very concerned about what the reasoning was um in extending you know NATO status to Latvia. You know, super close to Moscow. I don't know, it's like is it a thousand miles, maybe even inside? Um mm-hmm. and You know, you can, there's a lens where you get to say, wow, these are sovereign states. They get to do whatever they choose to do. Who's to tell them? That sounds like paternalism, you know? Okay. You're talking about the world. I mean, I I just, I I can't shake this. That that wasn't pushback that you just did. I mean, we know Putin is a bad guy. I want us to win. I I don't want to be unclear about that we're talking about the world. We're talking about a, a habitable world, a world in which we recognize buildings from antiquity where it's relatively safe to breathe the air. I don't know what conversation we're having. I, I'm, I'm just very confused by it. When you have Article 5 status in NATO and you decide that you've got peacetime careerists who want to Um, burnish their resumes by saying I'm the president who extended uh, NATO to more countries that happened under my watch Mm -hmm. and you're not really thinking about the idea this goes back to Steven Pinker's idea that we're living in the most blessed era of all time (laughs) right where and you know I'm having the same issue over and over again with the economists with price indices all of these people they look at certain terms in the equation without looking at the whole equation. And then they decide I'm seeing enough of the equation that I can draw strong conclusions. Right. And what, what we have is a world saturated in potential violence in the form of nuclear weapons, biological weapons, fuel air weapons are incredibly terrifying. Uh, the, the, the weapons of demoralization, that make, you know, why does Japan capitulate at the end of World War II the way it does? is because somebody's brought the fire of the sun to Japanese soil, you know?
0: Yeah, and you, you actually made a very uh, provocative statement, but I think it, on further reflection, has uh, some merit to it, which will probably shock most of my listeners in that you were advocating for the detonation of a, of a fusion device, not a fission device uh at at some point in the past maybe it was 2019 uh to kind of reiterate and shake the dust off of the complacency that uh that were you you know looking into your you know patented crystal ball back then and and uh, i mean what what was that based on at that point cuz eric we both know you know this guy Lawrence Krauss has been a guest on my show uh and people like shelly glashow friend of uh, the show as well and they're on this thing called the bulletin of the atomic scientist and every day, you know, Trump woke up and tweeted, they were moving the the, the secondhand. Cl- do you feel like your client or your, uh, you know, kind of uh, proposal, shall I say, to do this was really in counter to that kind of cry wolf effect that they kept increasing it over pet, like the woman's March. Okay, now we need to move it up. I mean, was that in response to that? Because it was pr- way before George Floyd. It was way before COVID. It was way oh, before for Putin. Years. I mean, look why 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 was that front why, of mind for you
1: why Why was i on the twin nuclei problem we just spent you know how many years living indoors not attending our our loved ones funerals with masks over our faces having no idea whether they work not really understanding what we're injecting into our bodies um i was warning you about the twin nuclei problem have Explain we done that any- for people that might be new to your thoughts sure it, in less than six months between 1952 and 53, we unlocked the secrets of the nucleus of the cell in the form of three dimensional structure of DNA, followed by the genetic code 10 years later. And we unlocked the ability to fuse nuclei with the Teller Ulam device. And those, I guess, IV Mike was our first nuclear test in 52. Um, first a, a fusion device. First fusion device, right? And. Those innovations made uh, humans capable of their own extinction by just fiddling around with power that we don't know how to control. We know how to unlock it, you know, but we don't know how to control it. So if you give somebody, um, you know, a, a bottle of Jack Daniels, a Ferrari, and a machine gun, um, they can have a pretty interesting time uh, just getting to know their their new friends. I don't know what we're doing. I'm so flipped out and and I was calling for uh, a a return to rare above ground atmospheric nuclear tests because I don't believe in their absence human beings will actually do the computation of what we're talking about. We're having the most irrelevant discussions. Uh, As long as Ukraine looks like um, house to house fighting and as long as Zelensky is telegenic, and by the way you know bruce willis is stepping away from acting um it's funny because i was saying that zelensky you know is the ultimate sort of bruce willis character uh when he's offered uh you know the ability to evacuate he says i need ammunition not a not ride, a ride. Yeah. you know it's like wow uh that that plays well because adios mother <laughs> comrade That's vidania das vidania comrade <laughs> um we're we're crazy i i can't i can't go to parties <laughs> i was just at a party i was a complete pill um i w- i've been telling people if you don't watch the cell and the atom you can have all the bitcoin conversations you want all the conversations about liquid democracy and institutional Microsoft reform and, and web3 and it's just like nobody's paying attention we are sleepwalking to armageddon and what i learned from from the invasion of ukraine is that what i was trying to do with my show was to wake people up and vladimir putin just said hold my beer and everybody hit the snooze button i mean we're talking about ukraine it's not like we're not talking about it but we're talking about it you know do we think putin will capitulate is he out of options if we turn everything into a soap opera right just like do you want this guy cornered and weak i certainly don't no and do you want to talk about you know he cannot be allowed to remain in power and then you know biden has to walk back well i didn't mean regime change um we've got children i've got a 79 year old child uh, as the president of the united states And then i did the computation it was 116 days where harry truman went from the ceremonial role of vice president of the united states largely ceremonial position to being the one to drop two atomic devices on civilians uh, and military in uh, hiroshima nagasaki Uh, the person who currently holds harry truman's old job is kamala harris now you I'm not supposed to be able to say anything about Kamala Harris no, it's you must, negative. You mustn't you have, say, I have to stop you. you because know. she's both female and uh, a person dark of hue. And the answer is no. Um, Kamala Harris isn't really fit for that job. And it, it's evident. I don't need to go into detail. Um, the idea that you can't even speak in our society to say obvious things like, there's something weird going on with women swimming.
0: Uh, or even answer what is a woman, right?
1: That became controversial last week. In, in, right. So, in essence, um, the media, in my estimation, and our tech giants are, while Zelensky is talking about a no fly zone, our own media is enforcing a no think zone. There will be no thinking. There will be no thinking in public. There will be no communication of thoughts. Every conversation will be turned towards white supremacy and bigotry. And it's time to clear these idiots off the stage because right now we've got a nuclear situation and i i don't know how to sit
0: no i think i think you're being abundantly clear and speaking of stages you ever see like one of these performers you know like a dua lipa or ari ariana grande who are you know undoubtedly talented individuals but there i saw a video and they're singing on stage and they're having fun and then accidentally the mic slips out of dua lipa's hand and it rolls into the crowd but somehow she keeps singing with the same amplitude and same, you know, delightful modulation. In other words, it's all a sham. It's all she's just lip syncing to something that she recorded. She had genuine talent. But but maybe there's and, and I feel like we're doing that as a as a society, like the, the speakers have dropped their microphones and we're pretending like they're singing it. They just raise their voices and they they won't get off the stage. They, they can't get off the stage.
1: It's inherent in who they are. Okay, so let's assume that that's true. The problem is not them. The problem is us. Let's, let's start with me. The problem is me. Mm-hmm. I had this show. I've got a giant audience. People say, well, where's the portal? Why aren't you doing any new shows? And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, do you know how a nerd you are to everything? You've decided that uh, Jordan Peterson, Brett Weinstein, Joe Rogan, maybe Brian Keating, all, everybody, Sam Harris, I can tell you the the, uh, the things that go around about every single person as to why we can't listen to anyone who's not on script. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
0: Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires
0: downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: I have failed. Vladimir Putin has failed. Now, I'm, I'm spending my days split between two separate activities for the most part. One is trying to get us options. Trying to figure out what it is we can do so that if we don't agree with Zelensky, Putin, Xi, Biden, uh, and Kim, we don't we're, we don't feel that they've got this. <laughs> um, what do we do? I mean, it's sort of funny. Like Elon is talking about all this stuff; he's on the same planet the rest of our uh, the rest of us are. So, I, the other thing that I'm doing when I'm not trying to do physics and trying to think about how we get out of here, um is to try to figure, is there any way to wake us up? And it it just doesn't seem to be possible. It seems to be that there's some interface between media, tech, and the human mind that until the human mind gets the message from CNN and in the New York Times, hey, we've been lying about everything, we're in great danger, we have the wrong leadership, we need resources completely redirected. I mean, let me just be very pointed about it. Um, are you familiar with the Anton Chigurh character in No Country for Old Men?
0: Uh, very, very, very vaguely, yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. At some point, he's about to kill Woody Harrelson in a hotel room with a silenced shotgun or a suppressed shotgun. And he asks, he says, may I ask you a question? Always polite. If the path uh, that you followed led you to this, of what use was the path? So if you want to think about markets, and you want to think about democracy, and you want to think about the American experiment, if the path we've led has got us with a 79-year-old commander-in-chief about 10 years, almost 10 years older than the oldest president ever in history, if that person has a 5% plus chance of dying in any 12-month period, According to the U.S. Uh, Social Security Administration,
0: men's yeah health statistics.
1: Seventy-nine year old U.S. male. If his running mate was Kamala Harris, who was almost certainly chosen for diversification reasons, in part just the way he announced that he was going to make sure that his next Supreme Court appointment was a, a African American female. And NASA, by the way, uh, has made an announcement that it wants uh, a woman. And a person of color on the moon, both of which are awesome things to have. But yeah. why make a point of it? I have no. Concept that, that's their mission statement. So You're talking about the Artemis
0: program, which has in their Twitter profile. I,
1: again, you know the way conservatives would do this is they'd say, um, you know, Condoleezza Rice, uh, you know, is the first person to hold this, and then they'd be done with it. They wouldn't hold a week long celebration and talk about you know powerful black females. Right. There's just a difference in sort of seriousness of purpose and, and and temperament. We can't talk about any of this. So if, we, if the path of democracy and markets have led us to Kamala Harris being a heartbeat away from a guy who has a 5% chance of dying in any 10-year period, in any one-year period, uh, at age 79 and declining cognition, with Vladimir Putin landing shells, if I understand Uh, Between ten and fifteen miles from the Polish border, which has enjoyed full Article Five mutual protection status since I think nineteen ninety nine, have we built a doomsday machine? In other words, if you view all of our interlocking agreements, our markets, our laws, our cultures, our understandings as a machine, and we are simply the subroutines, does this machine and With the halting problem does this machine effectively bring humanity to a close not because any particular person willed it but because we kept piling up new instructions and we didn't check the code that it was actually going to run and run indefinitely exactly you know just to finish to finish this up we've all failed and I feel like I failed more than any of you because if I go back to my old stuff, you know, people say, well, "Are you going to sit around and say I told you so?" Well, for sure I'm going to tell say I told you so, because I've been on this for years. But because I told you so, I also know that I failed because I got the audience, right? I had a huge audience. I said exactly this: Beware the twin nuclei. We spent two years plus under COVID, which is probably something involving Peter Daszak and the Wuhan lab, but we haven't even bothered to investigate it. And now we've got Vladimir Putin um, miscalculating in Ukraine, and we're sort of chirpy about the idea that this is going to be an exercise in masculinity, and we like Zelensky's brand better than Puffy Putin uh, yeah. emerging from COVID. This, these are the twin nuclei people. This is exactly what I warned you about. And mm-hmm. because I told you so, I failed more than any of the rest of you.
0: Well, you know, I, I want <clears throat> to, you know, I, I, appreciate the humility and I believe it's sincere and I, and I want to just count countenance the, the following, uh, uh, subject. So we, I just started teaching in person for the first time in three years. Uh, and it's, uh, it was a little bit, you know, not trepidatious, anything to do with COVID or anything, but just like, wow, do I still have it? You know, I've done, I, I started you know, communicating via YouTube and everything, you know, into the pandemic two years ago. Actually, I think this is our two-year anniversary of doing podcasts together, by the way, my friend. I did um, that. Yeah. So, uh, so there have been, you know, that was at least one good thing that came out of COVID besides staying uh, home a lot with my, uh, with my family. But, um, but I'm back in person. I'm teaching students. I'm, I'm enjoying the, the feels of it all. And some of them are undoubtedly watching this episode, but I'm also enjoying being with my graduate students. And it reminded me we're recruiting graduate students. We have a bumper crop of some of the most amazing students coming to UC San Diego to work with me and my colleagues here. And, uh, and the, the fact is, when I start off with a new grad student, I tell him or her and I say, look, what you're about to do is complicated, but it's not complex. In other words, I, think about a 787. It's, it's very complicated. You know, no one person can build a pencil, let alone a 787 Dreamliner. But if you follow the steps, the blueprints, you have the materials, you put them in together in the right order, a 787 is sure to emerge. On the other hand, if you tell me to make a sand pile uh, with exactly so many grains of sand with exactly these dimensions, that's impossible to do because of sensitivity and true underlying complexity or predicting the planetary phenomenon like the weather you need something of the size of the earth to predict accurately model the climate. Uh, and so I think there's merit to this testing idea that you're, that you're talking about because the only way to really model the effects maybe on society and, and our collective conscious would be the detonation of this device. And I, and I do, I'm not advocating it for a person. I'm just saying there's merit to this idea because you cannot simulate the effect of a complex process without the complexity of the process itself. But I want to turn from that to say, uh, Really, what do you think would happen the next day? And I posed this to Lex Friedman when I was on his show late last year, early this year, actually. And I said, what do you think, Lex, would happen the day after we discover aliens? And and, and since you joined the Project Galileo with Avi Loeb, I want to get your feedback on this, too. What do you think would happen the day after we discover aliens, Aaron?
1: Well... I mean, it's an interesting question. I I can tell you what happened uh, on September 12th of 2001, because everybody remembers September 11th uh, went through it. Um, What I was fascinated by in addition to that was September 12th, because in a world where we're mostly narcissistically eager to share who we are, what we think, we didn't want to say anything. Most of the very loud voices, recognized that something had happened. And that thing that had happened had grave uh, impact on the culture, ourselves, the families affected directly. Um, you know, I, I think that when Israel went through 1973's Yom Kippur War after the brilliant victory in 1967, um it was a humbling experience because they'd gotten high on their own supply we had gotten high on our own supply that there was a magical force field protecting the united states saw almost no action during world war ii there was a little bit of stuff from japanese subs and i think around santa barbara i'm not quite sure um but the mainland of the u.s was basically untouched so i think what would happen after aliens is that either we would actually be transformed and, and silenced and, and quiet and humbled. or the change that has been brought about by the smartphone and all of the innovation since September 11th would cause us to continue to dreamwalk, that we would, we would wanna know if we could get selfies. Uh, we wanna know whether we could turn the aliens into an NFT. Um, I think we've gone mad. And I'm not positive how to answer how a mad civilization would respond. I can tell you that I, I'm pretty sure that if this had happened in the seventies, uh, it would have been very, very different. We we, we were smarter then. You know, we, we were being lied to, but we were being lied to less and by fewer people and it wasn't quite so chaotic. Right. Um it was centralized. Right. You know so there were lots, there are lots of things that are much, much better. It's not It's not that the '70s were some golden era. It's just we've become almost unforgivably psychotic collectively. I, I, don't, I don't know how to I don't know how to to sugarcoat this. I feel like um, I am so far away from planet Earth at the moment in my understanding of what I'm watching, what's on the line, what the odds are. You know, and again, I, as you can see, I've clearly gone through a bunch of attempts to estimate what are our risks until, until the looking glass of the of tech and the media reflect our reality. I now believe that we are in, I don't know if you've ever seen an ant mill where ants leave these like pheromone trails Yeah, and the, the danger is, is that they'll make a circle. And so the ants will go into a death spiral by just following a trail that goes infinitely and they'll, they'll die circling, you know, effectively an object. Um, I feel like we're in an ant mill and this particular ant, I want out.
0: So we can either resolve to, you know, give in, which I don't see in your nature or to fight. And you're, you know, you're fighting, you're, you're, you're you're out there you're in public you're not afraid to admit uh you know where well, you've changed your mind if you've been wrong um and that you're uh irrepressibly passionate about your projects of course one of them is is gu which you revealed on this very podcast uh exactly a year ago on april fool's day um let me ask you again with all due tenderness and respect um by what you know By what virtue does one look into the equations of uh, quantum field theory, say, and from it divine a nuclear device in other words where does the engineering begin and the physics take over the the transistor is another example we didn't really look at the laws of quantum mechanics they said this this filament-like act or this this whisker of of a semiconductor with certain impurities uh when engineered and put in contact uh and, and sufficiently close proximity behaves this way oh and then we can explain it using schrodinger's equation we didn't look into schrodinger's equation to find the transistor so to what extent could one be serious about looking at string theory, uh, loop quantum gravity, or whatever you want, G U, and look into those equations and get off of this marble. Uh, you know, and what what kind of t- walk me through that that process. Sure.
1: So first of all, let's talk about the old discovery. Um there are there were Civil War veterans who saw action at places like Antietam. Uh who witnessed the hydrogen bomb in 1952? The, the big discovery, I think it was 1932, uh, was the neutron. And yeah. the you know the I have a living ant in Philadelphia who is older than the neutron. So when you make a discovery, it's not necessarily the quantum mechanics, but the structure of the nucleons and, and nuclei. Um, gave Lise Meitner, uh, a woman who did not get enough credit for getting us into this mess um, and may get us out, who knows. Uh, Right, or blame. Yeah. You know, her discovery was, I don't know, six years later, five years later, not very long after that. And then Teller and Ulam figured out how to take a fission device and turn it into a fusion device. Uh, precursor by focusing the geometry uh, uh, of the the blast from the fission device and, and reflecting it back into a second stage which actually produces the fusion um, so it was sort of a combination of engineering and geometry much more than it was uh, innovations in quantum field theory and then what it did is it it, it sort of it taught the physics community that they weren't impotent that they could do things. Um, and almost immediately after they remembered that they were actually capable of doing things, they went back to quantum field theory and basic understanding of the universe. And so you have shelter Island and Pocono and Oldstone conferences, which changed everything in physics uh, in the late 1940s, 1947, 48. Um, right now, what we have is we have a theoretical physics community that is in the same situation before the Manhattan Project, where we'd done great work. Uh, the standard model of the time was called QED, but we couldn't compute with it. And then once people like Feynman uh, you know, had a chance to shine at Los Alamos, we started holding conferences where we were really looking for solutions, and almost immediately we were back, back on track. So I have to imagine that As horrible as the products of the Manhattan Project were, their effect on the theoretical physics community was to take them out of being a cargo cult that only got infinities and turn them into extremely capable engineers so that they could go back to being extremely capable physicists. So right now, the way in which this would work is we don't know whether we we can get off this planet. And by that, I really mean get out of the solar system. Right. If, if we're going to be here with general relativity and that's the last word, you can you understand why Elon and uh, Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos are focused on rocketry. What we don't understand is why rich people aren't focused on getting rid of general relativity as a fundamental theory and making it an effective theory so that we can find out whether the true fundamental theory be below it has new possibilities and new degrees of freedom and new opportunities for engineering and escape. And again, the point isn't that if we go to another planet, we're not going to bring our madness with it. It's that some of us may not be crazy enough to blow ourselves up. And at the moment, we're talking about the lowest common denominator, and the lowest common denominator may very well be Vladimir Putin or Kim.
0: And that might be the sand grain that is unpredictable that topples the pile uh but do you think i mean if we were talking on a <clears throat> on a zoom call or <laughs> uh, back in you know 380 ad uh, in the you know w- w- waning uh, era of the roman empire uh i mean are some of these things just Translation invariant. They also built a sophisticated civilization with a lot of old, you know, people in charge at the top, and and, and plenty of uh, young people at the base of the of the societal pyramid, and uh, and hungry for bread and circus. And for, uh, you know, the, the the all the accoutrements that we have, we just call them TikTok and, and Instagram. Uh, do you think this is a time translation invariant process, but made worse by the ratchet effect of the power, awesomeness, power? I, of I don't power?
1: understand what conversation we're having. again And again, forgive me, because clearly I don't, I'm not a good conversationalist anymore. Um, well, presumably there was still, uh, you know, Aryan and Dravidian civilization in, in the subcontinent, or there were Iroquois and... and, and, and uh, sue precursors during the roman empire and you know my claim is is that not all our eggs were in one basket right but right but now those, all right. of our eggs are in a one basket called earth and you know maybe the idea is that i should first just limit myself to the subset of people who find it really important that humans have an indefinite future I meet a lot of young people, I don't understand, why do humans have to have an indefinite in the future? It's like, it's a perfectly reasonable question, get it away from me, you know.
0: All right, I, well they I, did a study, a famous study, where they asked Olympic hopefuls if they trade, you know, 30 years of life expectancy for a gold medal, and 50% of them said yes. Uh, there, there is this tab, but I guess what I'm saying is you're right. Of course, now we're playing with fire for the first time, a nuclear fire, right? Um, so that's of course true. On the other hand, it's not whole society. If, if, if Putin were removed from the equation, if he was for God's sakes, not allowed to remain in power, uh, you know, just like Lee Harvey Oswald, a single individual changed the world for the worse. And it's much easier for single individuals to worsen the world than for individuals to make it better.
1: Right. So what I'm trying to say is that's going to keep happening. The key question is whether the single individual in question has leverage. If you've got nuclear leverage or biological leverage, we get trouble mm-hmm. because the, the, those things, those levers, are so levered, right? The the amount of power. I mean, literally, I view this as sneaking into God's toolbox and just rummaging around. Um, you know, you know, as an atheist, I say this. Uh, Brian, I, I don't know how to communicate this. I can. I, it's self-evident. It's self-evident to me that this is where we are. And it's self-evident to me to me that like there is only one plan. Yeah. Every plan for survival involves tasking the people who got us into this mess, because Francis Crick was a physicist, Teller was a physicist, Ulam was a physicist, that was a geometer. You have to task the exact same people who got you in to get you out. And that may be unfortunate you may say well you built the titanic and here it's sinking go, go make sure that you build us some lifeboats yeah and you're like no no, i'm not going to trust that guy he built yeah. the titanic what's well, like look these are the only boat builders you've got did which part of this here's my question brian this is like a four-line proof The only way out of this conundrum, assume that it's 3% odds. Assume that you're playing roulette in either a European wheel or an American wheel. I guess the American wheel has two green. Yeah, um, zero, zero, and zero. And the Europeans have one. And otherwise, there's something like 36 red and, and black things. Okay, assume that that's the case. How many times do you get to spin this thing before it comes up green? No one knows, and not that many. Yes, it's unlikely, but you can't keep playing this game. All right, that's the first thing. Next question is, if that's true, give me the total list of escape scenarios. Like one thing that you may not know, that I I only know because I've recently uh, found myself in circles of people who have 10 figures and up, is that a lot of very rich people are thinking about personal escapes from Armageddon. They're not thinking about... The bunkers way. or... Yeah, bunkers, different countries, Zealand, yeah. yachts, whatever. Okay. This is ridiculous. I mean, for only, you know, only in limited situations is that a great plan. The, the, there's only one thing to do, which is to ask, how do we get ourselves diversification so that as you point out these conserved features of collapsing civilizations don't take down the permanent human enterprise and that's why you know i'm going to a bitcoin conference in miami um, and i think that the talk is supposed to be they usually say fix the money fix the world and i think i have a changed to fix the money leave the world um, the importance of decentralization in spacefaring uh, if bitcoin is a protocol uh, how does it work if you're multiplanetary? planetary uh, if you're in different star systems?
0: Or you're Kardashev 3, you have infinite free or, energy. right?
1: Yeah, Or do you have a different situation whereby the point of Bitcoin is to start working on a decentralized option, like from decentralization to decentralization? The key point of failure is that we're all sharing one terrestrial surface. Now, Bezos, or Bezos, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, talks about like gerald k o'neill cylinders and maybe stanford uh, Tori, where you get artificial gravity through centripetal uh, acceleration Um, elon is focused on the moon not quite sure what branson is doing but the point is all of these people at least have the nub of the idea we've got to diversify and with all that money i don't ever want to hear about a, a theoretical physicist who isn't putting three kids through uh, private schools with a second home, a pension secured and the ability to check in into any four seasons anywhere on the planet earth. I mean, this is obscene. The only people who can save us are mathematicians and physicists and we don't know that it's possible. It's quite possible that they could return a final theory and we could look at it and say, yep, Einstein was right. The final theory doesn't contain any new options that the one did." not faster but than light travel we don't know we don't know and until well, we know and until we hold the conferences we're st- instead held hostage to an economic system that is is mostly there to protect people born in like the 1940s and 50s so that they can live out their days pretending that they're doing physics while they do geometric um analysis inspired by physics which they might call string theory or topological quantum field theory or toy models or conformal field theory it's like no it's now time to get back to physics it's now time to do what old stone pocono and shelter island did as conferences which is to reignite the physics community get the smart people in here and here's the dumbest thing i and i'm just embarrassed to say it but here goes physics built your entire economy more or less Suitably understood, from biotech to communications to the World Wide Web uh, to the semiconductor. The dumbest thing in the world is money or tokens. Go get us a huge pile, drop it off, and go away. Did you ever hear the
0: joke, Einstein? Wait, goes wait. To- I'm not done. Brian. All right, come on. I gotta tell a joke. You're getting too heavy. You're, you're no, I'm not getting too heavy.
1: heavy. You're getting too light. Listen to me All for right. just a second, and All I'm. Right, I don't right. mean to be overbearing. This is the dumbest thing in the world. It's just resource. You're going to put it down on, on, on a Gulf Stream, or you're going to put it down on a private island, or you're going to, whatever you're going to do. It doesn't have anything like the leverage of making sure that the people who built your economy are cut in as wealthy people who are independent enough to say no, Ed Witten, no, David Gross, no university. I'm not going to do your stupid bidding. I'm not going to bow down to diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're not, going to, we're not going to adulterate what we know how to do if it has the opportunity to save us all. And the idea that we can't even get resource into theoretical physics, differential geometry is an obscenity. We built this goddamn thing. And then you we're in an agreement. You, society, we're in agreement, which is we're not going to let you commercialize this. You're you're frozen out of intellectual property. Oh, well, what do we get out of the equation? Oh, you get institutional protection. You get academic freedom. Well, you, you, you got rid of that. You turn the universities into a monstrosity so that we can flatter our undergraduates because what you did is you used it to extract wealth from the young and give it to the old. Now the universities are broken. They don't work. The stupid thing is go get us a pile of money and leave us alone and tell us to work on getting you the hell out of here because we got you in here. And that message is so simple and it doesn't resonate. It's got no resonance. And I've given up. I mean, all I sit around doing for the most part is doing quantum field theory. I'm giving up tons of money, not doing much of, much of anything else because I'm, I'm trying to make sure my kids, my, at least my, my clan has a future. And I I believe this, we've forgotten, there was no possibility of building an atomic weapon in 1930 because we didn't know about the neutron. Almost immediately after you had the neutron, you had atomic power and atomic weapons, right? We don't know what physics is about to unlock. And when you look at that James Webb telescope and you look at it peering out into the cosmos, imagine that it is possible that if we can get beyond Einstein's theory, that you won't be talking about faster than light because space-time is an Einsteinian concept. You'll be talking about something that you have no idea what the words are. And it may be possible to visit the universe so that you're not deciding between Kosamui and Tulum. You know, I mean, it's just it's really important to recognize that more or less we're here on one speck, time to go. And let me just say the last thing. I hate how how heavy and overbearing this is, but wake the hell up like you've seen this in ukraine you're not putting it together because the person on television is not telling you you're running a three percent five percent one percent risk something like that of total annihilation right now thanks
0: well okay so i have to inject some levity at this point so einstein dies eric he goes to shemaim he goes up to heaven and there he encounters several individuals first one comes up to him he says uh, hello young lady what's your what's your IQ? She says, it's 156. Great. Talk about math, physics, geometry, space travel, wormholes, etc. Then I uh, meet somebody else. What's your IQ? Uh, 130. Uh, oh, great. We can talk about politics and life and law and something. Meet someone. What's your IQ? It's uh, 96. Oh, great. We can talk about the stock market. Um, because Yeah, you're saying that this is, and and no offense to my, all my day trading Bitcoin friends out there, I'll shoot my laser beam eyes at you someday. Uh, But, uh, but the point being, yes, this should be a problem that physics can solve. And actually, you and Pia and others have made contributions to a physicalization of an economic uh, system, which is which is rather brilliant, and that'll be a topic for another show. And you have given lectures in uh, recent places like the University of Chicago and and elsewhere, you pen, you've been all around the world on a college tour. But I want to say you are, um, you're sounding dark. You're you're darker now uh, than, than I've heard. But let Big me joke. finish. Let me finish. But I want to give you hope. I come to bring you hope. Um, hope and light, as President Biden just said. Uh, because you're able to do something uniquely. Uh, so you don't look at a honeybee and say, Could you, that's great. You know, the honey is sweet. Could you make me a web? like, I really need a web. Uh, No, you say, I want some more of that honey. And likewise with a spider, you don't say, oh, make me some honey. You have a unique gift. You could do science, you can do physics, but you can also reach out to literally millions around the world. You have a huge platform and, and you use it very, uh, with, with great, with great gravitas. And I think it's more than most people do. And of course the haters, oh, he's a guru. He's a Svengali. Let's ignore them. They're they're. It's not worth discussing. However, you do have an ability to inspire and, and build a lifeboat and provide pre- preservers. I'm not optimistic about getting off the planet with GU or string theory or loop quantum gravity in my lifetime, but why? what about my grandkids? You're hopefully going to be a grandfather.
1: Know, no. why, why? That's my, that was my point about the neutron. If, the, if you had a correct theory that was a major upgrade, why wouldn't you be optimistic within a very short window? You don't know, is my point.
0: You don't know, but just not knowing is not proof that it will happen for, you know, that that.
1: But well, this is, that is why the Galileo Project is so important. You see, if we can escape, this is, again, very short syllogism, if we mm-hmm. can escape to the cosmos, then the cosmos can visit here. All right? Very simple. If we found out that we are being visited and that we are being visited by something that wants to be cryptic, because it doesn't want to be fully known, Um, there's precedent for that. North Sentinel Island does not probably understand that India exists, but India claims North Sentinel Island, even though the North Sentinelese don't speak any Hindi uh, or uh, Tamil or whatever. Mm -hmm. We don't know what language they speak. Um, If we can leave, they can visit, and if they can visit, it means... That the next iteration contains power, just the way the physics before the neutron had a lot less power than physics with the neutron, right? So if the Galileo project is successful in convincing us that there is something to um visitation, then suddenly everything changes. And and this is something people are embarrassed. Again, they will immediately compute the social consequence of saying aliens. Right? And then there'll be a Roswell thing and, and, and everything everything degenerates into giggles just the way every right, conversation prosthetic about foreheads sex. right mm-hmm. every conversation about sex uh, you know super important force that determines the world, but we can't talk about it without giggling. right So we have the same thing with aliens. Um, and in that world, uh, you start to understand that the odds that we're alone in, in the cosmos are are negligible and if people uh, can leave, intelligence can visit. And we need to know that that's possible. If somebody told you it is possible to visit the cosmos because Einstein isn't the last word, you'd double your efforts. And if if they told you you know, it's much easier than you're making it out to be and it isn't an infinite journey, because people will say all of these idiotic things. They'll say, oh, I think that there are an infinite number of problems and people have always thought they were getting to the end. Well, people thought they were getting to the end of, of intercontinental exploration. And then we found the last landmass uh, off the north of Siberia and we were done. Right. So these things do come to an end.
0: No, they do. They do. And, but, but I guess to, to get back to the, you know, inspirational, motivational sure. part of the speech, um, you have this ability and not knowing in the future. Uh, I, I feel like that comes with it a responsibility, not to say I failed and now I'm going to take my uh, lashes and do teshuva, but. But instead to say, look, I have a unique platform. I have a, and focus entirely if on it, inspiring.
1: If that's what you want, make me, make me happy. Bring me people. I need, I need people. I need resources and I need them now. Okay. Lawyers, guns, and money. Well, I offered to you people Lawyers, here in San Diego. guns, and money. I I just think that Warren Zevon belong. This is the first smart thing we've said today. Send lawyers guns and money, but really, instead of lawyers, I need differential geometers, particle theorists, and I need money that is not encumbered, and I need people not to bitch and moan about the fact that scientists uh, are comfortable and fearless and not writing grants let's stop this grant cycle. Let's get okay, them away fine. from undergraduates. Give me, wait, no, Brian, give me these people and I will go back to telling jokes, playing the guitar, playing the piano. I will be the sunny host of the portal. But right now, I haven't been on the air for years or, you know, for over a year. I'm telling you, this is the emergency. You know, it's not that I'm sitting here every second and saying, we're all going to die of COVID. I didn't know that. I can tell you this, if you keep running this Putin experiment and you do several versions of it, we will all die. Or, or, or whatever world is left will not be the one that you want your children to be living in. And right now, if, if this doesn't get your attention, I need to separate from my audience. I don't want to entertain you. Where you don't understand what's on the line, this is not life is beautiful while I'm pretending that you know a concentration camp isn't the death camp.
0: I don't think I'm asking to pretend that I'm asking one one of two things which I don't think can simultaneously be true what one is that you're saying scientists need to focus hundred percent on what scientists do without the diversity b s and this thing and that thing and the bureaucratic b s and grant writing and peer out of our review. way. What was that? Get out. But then you're earth. also, my friend, you're also saying that like scientists do a a crappy job of selling the best script that's ever been written, which is The Scientific Enterprise, and that we don't do it and you have people like Ed Witten and okay. others who Hey, you know, HBO, about,
1: want, there, if HBO wants me to do a show to get people excited, I will do you, you have a crap, show. What? You have a show that's bigger than most uh, CNN broadcasts. I don't have a I don't have a budget for the huge graphics with the 3D and the projection mapping, all the stupid shit. If that's the stuff that excites you, somebody else handle it. Right now, what I want to be looking at is bundles, partial differential equations, fields, operators, Hilbert spaces. And I'm happy to share what's going on with it. I'm happy to talk about what we...
0: I'm actually not talking about you. I'm not criticizing you. I'm saying that you want to insulate scientists and give us the academic freedom, freedom that we were promised. And, and I
1: love and talking of- to people, Brian.
0: It's no, alarm- I, I, hold on, let me let me finish please. Sure. I want to say I don't feel like my other colleagues are engaging with the public in a way that is uh, is going to further this project that you're describing. In other words, they sit, we sit in our in our offices or our laboratories and we just do what we're supposed to. We never talk to the public. We never communicate what we're doing with their money. And so, of course, why, why should I give you more money? You just told me, like, I can't understand. If, if I could understand what you're doing, it wouldn't be worth a Nobel Prize, right, Feynman? Uh, so to what extent do we as scientists have an obligation to have portals of our own, present company excluded?
1: Well, you you know, you're doing it, I'm doing it. I'd rather be doing that stuff, but. um, What stuff? Wait, sorry, you'd rather be doing what? Look, when I like to take a break from actually doing research on something or thinking about something or building something or whatever it is, I love talking to people. I'm a social person. I like explaining what I know. Turning everything into interpersonal drama or turning everything into a market. Or turning everything into a game theoretic exercise is killing what we knew how to do even a short time ago. So I would love to do, you know, half a day's worth of, uh, you know, a- actual research equations, whatever. And then I'd like to record something. But if I'm going to record something, I just want to spill into a studio and I want to tell somebody, you know, in a week's time, get these things worked up as graphics. I don't want to think about payroll. I don't want to think about human resources. I don't want to think about uh, whether or sponsors not sponsors and right. well, it's like I record in this room with a lot of glass. All the audio engineers complain, dude. You should really, you know, you c- cover your dining room in uh, in tarps. Uh, that's going to be great for for my family. Where I've taken over the dining room and covered it in tarps. I'm just. I care about two things here. One, I care about inspiring people. And two, I care about getting people a future. And I'm looking at the people I'm trying to inspire and I'm trying to get a future for. And they don't even know what risk they're in, And they don't appreciate it. And they turn things into drama because they're not strong enough to to withstand like all the voices of, you know, like if the Lancet says, well, this definitely didn't come from a, a lab in Wuhan well, who am I? I I guess the Lancet said it. It, it, It's important to recognize that we can inspire people. But if I can't even get you to wake up, and I can't even get somebody in the government to to understand ideas have consequences. Ulam and Teller's ideas have great consequences. Mm -hmm. We are not, Brian, I've spent a year I've more or less told people why I believe there are three generations of fermions a year ago. I've not had a single physicist on planet Earth say, I want to talk to you about why you say there are three generations of fermions. I gave a reason why the world appears to be chiral, but actually is not chiral, why it appears that the weak force, beta decay, uh, knows it's left from its It's right. Maximally Uh, violating of C. No, And... I have not had one person come to me and say, I want to talk to you about that. Do um, you think it's credentialism? You're not
0: in academia. You're seen as an outsider. I get, I get literally a No, no, no. A no, no. It's me- not me,
1: Brian. It's not me. It's the field. When, when Peter White came out with his idea, um, which was to build it around uh, the group SU3, which has the strong communicates the strong force, which is what holds nuclei together when the protons want to run away from each other, packed in so tightly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I made sure to read what he wrote and I called him up and he said, yeah, nobody's calling. Now I don't have to agree with him, but I at least understand what he did do. And I wanted to make absolutely sure that I grasped the general idea. What I'm trying to tell you is, I knew that no one was going to much call Peter. No one is listening to each other. There's almost no one working on physics. And I, I think that that's the real statement, is, is that the question is going to be, well, what does the community say? The community basically isn't doing physics. Go to your local uh, university's physics, you know, high energy theory seminar, and I challenge you to listen to a talk uh, and find anything that sounds like physics in it. In general, it sounds like, oh, we're in six dimensions. We've got a, a, a compact, simple group. Um, and we look at the following fields that nobody's ever seen in human history. We treat it supersymmetrically, even though we've never seen supersymmetry. We're not working. And the the economists aren't doing economics. I think the extent to which people imagine that this system is continuing to do what it once did Until you actually release new ideas, you don't get to see that it's not an airport. It's a cargo cult.
0: I want you uh, to react to this statement by a past guest on the show, Albert Einstein. Einstein said the following about two different dynamics of of human capability. He called the, and this is from a book called uh, The Metaphoric Mind by Bob Samples he said, Albert Einstein called the intuitive or metaphoric mind a sacred gift. He added that the rational mind was a faithful servant. It is a paradoxical, it is paradoxical that in the context of modern life, we have begun to worship the servant and to defile the divine. Oh, I love it. So do you see it possible to have both signs, the intuitive, metaphoric, the sacred gift, the divine, and he the rational. Both. Sorry, go ahead.
1: He had both. I mean, this is this is the interesting thing, right? Which is, what was it? Inspiration is more important than knowledge.
0: Imagination, imagine, like the center for human imagination.
1: Right. Um, the rational people are, oh, you know, uh, great spirits have always encountered uh, violent opposition from mediocre minds. In order to make huge advances, you have to be wrong in the process. And what you find is, you try to imagine uh, E.E. Cummings turning in a poem and a copy editor saying, the capitalization is off, the punctuation is wrong, the grammar is non-existent. Yeah, no kidding, it's E.E. Cummings. Um, Great minds have to be able to do things that are wrong. When Dirac You know, came up with his equation. He had numbers where A times B wasn't B times A. And it wasn't until he realized that they were matrices that he could make sense of what he'd written. If you can't go through wrong, you can't advance.
0: And thought the positron was the proton, right?
1: That's true. Um, And Galileo
0: thought the tides were caused by uh, the orbit of the Earth, not the moon.
1: So in all of these situations, um, you've got this sort of copy editing group that's always angry. Because it never wins, the answer is stop being a copy editor. You have why do, to. Is that
0: why you think GU is experiencing, get has experienced, you know, kind of passions and opposition, or do you think it's people realize? It's a what
1: what are you truth. saying about that? I, I haven't had almost any GU conversations.
0: Well, you know, I was thinking about that as you were saying. We, we talked yesterday, or the day before. You know, our mutual friend Stefan Alexander, whose birthday it was yesterday. Old man, hey, Stefan, I missed it. Yeah, it's okay. Uh he didn't he didn't reply to my uh video text, uh, but maybe maybe he was uh having having fun instead. But you know, he's got a theory of everything. He he works on uh as his latest book uh has come out, you know, kind of you know, is, is the is the
1: yeah, theory possibly. of everything. Yeah, what's that? He doesn't have a theory of everything.
0: Yeah, he's working on one. Well you mentioned Peter White you mentioned, we've talked about Garrett Lisi. Yep. In other words, I, I don't know that we have a, a dirt, you know, what if we have a glut of theories of everything or, or unification, geometric unification ideas sure. or, or what have you. Even, you know, Shelley Glashow has one, right? So uh, I uh, don't what, know that. Well, I mean, SO5
1: or whatever he had, right? No, U uh, 5 SU-5, yeah. What's well, that's grand unification.
0: Yeah, grand unification. Well, I always say we're putting the toe before the gut, you know, because we don't right. have a great grand unit. But anyway, some geometric, you know, sure. that will unlock powers, as you say, beyond the atom, the mere atom, which is already causing so much uh, devastation. Right. So, but my question is, you know, maybe it's a supply problem, Maybe there, there are so many of these things that oh, how can on. anybody, you are unique, but hold on a second, hold on a second, because I have to compliment you. You're a handsome individual. Thank you: you're That' will very, always stop everyone. talking. That'll always stop you from talking, my beautiful brother. Um, but, uh, but the point is, um, not everyone's you, right? So not everyone's able to, to keep up with it. And not everyone, as I said to Lex, is, is as um, comatous, is as um, you know kind of collegial as you, that will take the time, you know, our mutual friend Sabino, will say, I don't have time for these theories of everything. you know he'll, she, uh, Wolfram, Weinstein, Lee. but maybe not everyone can do what you do. Let, let's just be honest. I mean, you do, you have a special, you know, kind of arrangement where your work is, gives you flexibility. Um, perhaps I, you know, I don't, actually, we've never really discussed your work and I don't want to hear, but, but the point being how, how, you know, how can we expect the young assistant professor, you know, down the hall for me to get, uh, to get involved in, in curating and, and doing a rubric on these theories of, of, of unification.
1: Brian, l- let me just point out something that I don't like in myself. I don't like talking over you and I don't like being overbearing. But what you just said is so wrong, right? I don't know how to be polite about it. You know, it's not personal. Yeah, I, I know it's not personal. It's like, I'm your devil's advocate. That's not what's going on. You, you, you're You're pulling the conversation gravitationally back to interpersonal issues. Sabina has enough time. Do I want to call Sabina a liar? No, she's being polite. She's meaning to say something else. It took me about 45 minutes to get the gist of Peter White's paper. The assistant professor you talk about has 45 minutes to waste on all sorts of things. Nobody works all the time on their own stuff. My point is nobody's excited to look at anybody else's work because they know nothing is going to work. Now, why they know nothing is going to work, I don't know. But what you're doing is you're using your show to spread the dumbest wrong thing about something like Geometric Unity or Peter White's theory or Garrett Lisi's theory. Anybody in our community can read those things for ideas. Right? You can find the triality of the three generations, uh source in Garrett's E8 theory, even though it's it's SO8 that has the triality, it sort of inherits, E8 inherits this. You can read about how Peter White gets asymmetry of the weak force through SU2 through a wick rotation inside complex three space. Stephen Wolfram has not actually you know produced what I consider to be a theory of everything, although he's doing his own thing, and I think he should continue to do it. I'm not aware of Shelley Glashow really having a a bigger idea than grand unification. We all keep some track of these things. The question that you're trying to ask me is something like, what's been the reaction to GU? And what I'm telling you is, it's not what you're saying. The reaction is, I've lectured in two places because of COVID, uh, one in, in Marseille in France and the other University of Chicago at the Kadanoff Center. I've had perfectly polite conversations. People are interested in various aspects. But the, the academic um, incentive structure, the ability to be viable means that you've got to ally yourself with people who can fund you and who can hire you and who can give you tenure. And everyone's worried about their reputation and nobody's worried about physics. But all when the people I, when I say nobody, I don't mean absolutely nobody. I had a great conversation with, for example, Nima Arkani-Hamed recently. Yeah, I was it, just going to
0: say, you, you're right. What was it, his reaction then? I mean, was he willing to engage it, or yeah, was it of polite?
1: Course. Of course. You know, he's very constructive. You know, his point is, I, I learned a great deal from Nima. Um, and Nima isn't like, I mean, let me just say it. Nima, in my estimation... Is the soul of theoretical physics right now, because he has an ability to do something that I think almost no one else does, which is dead reckoning. He, we, we've lost sort of the the compass heading from experiment because the energy levels have gotten prohibitive for new for new phenomena. Uh, we failed for a great deal of time, so most people are demoralized. Theoretical physics lives. Even when Nima and I disagree or or he says something that's critical of me, that's what real critique is. What he told me to do is, hey, here are the sorts of things that you can grab the attention of the quantum field theory community. Now, I learned something very, very important, which I would love to discuss on the show. Um, I think one of the big problems is that there are these three legs to the mathematical stool, which is geometry, algebra, and analysis, i.e. calculus. The problem with quantum field theory is that it grew up unbalanced. It's really almost all analysis, and then we found out very late in the day that we'd been neglecting certain topological geometric and algebraic things, and sort of starting in the 70s with Jim Simons for the last 50 years, um, people like Ed Witten, Graham Siegel, Dan Quillen, uh, Luis alvarez gomez have been um, making quantum field theory, geometric. And that's been the basic vector of success in the field. But what what you come to understand is that analysis is too brutal and crude of a tool to have this responsibility for carrying physics forward. And I'll give a simple example. If you have a function, like a little lump of probability that represents where a particle can be, and then you try to propagate that function, how do you know that the propagation of that function isn't going to turn the function negative in some places? Or how do you know that the function as a lump isn't going to start moving faster than light and screw up causality? Or how do you know that the integral of the probability under that function is going to remain 1.00? So none of those things are really natural inside of analysis, but it seems like the geometry and the Deeper algebraic principles ensure that all of those things are true, and this goes back to something that you know Esther Perel once said to me, the great relationship uh, coach and therapist, and she said the thing about masculinity is that it is incredibly powerful and just as fragile. In other words, a a masculine male is an incredibly powerful person who can be damaged. by a single straight comment, uh, you know, from a woman and, and, and cut low and cut to the quick that situation is true in quantum field theory, which is it's incredibly powerful, but it is just as fragile. And so what Nima does, which is different is he says, um, here are all of the restrictions that we've learned to place on things through analysis. And it's a very long list and it's very brittle. So anytime you want to add something, everybody has the idea of how do we know this, is going to, this isn't going to screw up what we've got uh, stuck together with masking tape and, and, and um, paper clips and the like. In that sort of a setting, um, his point is here are some things that we don't know how to do. And if your thing can do that, that's the way to speak to people who are dependent upon analysis. That's an extremely constructive form of criticism and feedback.
0: And I've taken an the- audience capture though. I mean you're like yeah. it's solving the sociological problem of the, of getting something palatable to your analytic No, theory. no, no.
1: His point is he's explaining why quantum field theorists have the prejudices that they do. Right? Like if you look at the loop quantum gravity guys and people came out of general relativity, they're much more unbalanced in the direction of geometry. And Yeah. What we should have is a more balanced community that learns how to redo quantum field theory so that it works automatically. To give a very simple example, electromagnetism is four equations if you do it the way Maxwell did through pure analysis. But if you do it through geometry, geometry enforces two out of the four so you don't even have to mention them. So it cuts down the number of equations to two and then those two become unified. So really there's only one Maxwell equation If you, if you understand the geometry, um, what we're doing currently in quantum field theory is it's a giant grab bag of mostly analytic techniques. And that's why the quantum field theory community has this sort of extreme, I don't know what to call it exactly. They're very guarded because it's sort of like they've built a hot rod that can fall apart in an instant and and has, is very finicky. And if we built something more robust, I think the field would be much more intellectually healthy. So I've learned a lot by talking to, I don't know, just spoke to Alan Guth at MIT when I visited. Um, So I'm talking to great people. People are being extremely positive, polite, constructive. Mm -hmm. Um, What you see online is you've got, you've got a different class and caliber of people, mostly people who've left the field and sort of, you know, try to score points by bitching. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to listen to the top people in the world about what, what's the best way of communicating with the, with the community, because I think this is the world's most important community.
0: You think it's, um, in the last, say, 15 minutes that we have. I mean, do you think it's not unexpected? I mean, the famous, you know, Thomas Kuhn structure of scientific revolution is sort of, you know, predicated on uh, periods of normalcy, uh, you know, supplanted by periods of crisis, when facts don't agree with, with, uh, um, you know, kind of the accepted paradigm. And that leads to so-called paradigm shift. But these, he said, can last for decades, generations, you know, lifetimes. And, um, you know, I wonder if layering in, you know, it's like options pricing, right? I mean, options are, you know, you, you have to get the price direction and the time scale, right? So I'm wondering if, if, if we're on balance, um, not really capable of doing such a thing in physics, where you know the direction the field should take, and you're in the timescale that's commensurate with tenure with.
1: Somebody's got to step in and rescue the community from itself. And it has to be somebody with money. And, and to be honest, I think Bezos was a physics major at Princeton, or at least he was starting out in that di- direction. Elon Musk was one at the University of Pennsylvania. Jim Simons, the m- most successful hedge fund manager in the world.
0: And has given a lot.
1: Like We're too tied to what doesn't work. If you think about string theory, string theory mopped up most of the best minds uh, during our time, and it doesn't work. And I don't, when I say it doesn't work, I don't mean that we didn't learn anything from it. It wasn't inspiring. I don't mean that we should throw away the ideas. I don't mean that it won't eventually um, be part of something, but it doesn't work to find the theories we need. And if you can't say that, which is terrifying, I mean, you know, who am I to say that Ed Witten doesn't know what he's doing? But Ed Witten, as a leader of the field, as opposed to a researcher, took way too many resources in one particular direction, wasn't able to make his bid. And right now, those very wealthy people need to save this field, and they need to build fu money into the field so that individuals don't have to knuckle under. And it, Brian, here's my problem. I don't want to keep saying this. And, and most of what I do, I don't like, which is correcting people. GU is doing fine it is being listened to I'm in constructive conversations I want to I want to speed it up I want to have conversations that I need to be having we we need to be having conferences we need to be you know having multiple I don't want to take all the resources that were in strings and become the same thing for GU I want us to spread out get active get excited and It's time to save everybody else because they can't save themselves. Everyone else is frozen in place, turning on the news to find out whether or not they've got a new virus or a a nuclear threat from Eastern Europe. It's crazy.
0: Um,
1: so when we look at,
0: you know, these these challenges, I think, you know, as Nima said in an interview I read recently that, you know, it's sort of hardwired into physicist uh, DNA to be reductionist. Uh, I wonder if you could have, you know, one piece of data, one datum, shall we say, um, what would be most dispositive, you know, for any theory, not just to you, but what would be sort of the, um the, the. The key, you know, piece of data that could be crucial in discriminating between the possibilities between all these different models. Is there such a thing?
1: Yeah. There are particles. I can tell you what particles I think are left to find uh, in terms of their signatures. And it's funny. People always say, well, what, what mass, what energy, which is like the one bit that you need quantum field theory to do because you have to compute the radiative corrections. And there are a bunch of things I don't know how to do yet. And maybe I can get there at age 56. Maybe I can't. Um, But there are certainly particle predictions that come out of GU that would immediately say, okay, well he told us all these, they're in in that draft. Right. Um, But that's the dumb version of it. The smart version of it is totally different. It's not a question about, oh, theory and experiment in the scientific method. It's like, Look at, what is it, 26, 27, 28 parameters, free parameters in the standard model. That's the ugliness that no one wants to deal with who's gotten involved in geometric physics. They don't want to take on three generations with a CKM matrix with random entries and a PMNS matrix and Higgs couplings that determine the shape of the Mexican hat potential. All that stuff is artificial. What GU, what I'm starting to do with GU is to say, oh, I, I see, you didn't get why I'm claiming there are three generations that are observed inside of this geometry. You didn't understand why I'm, I'm claiming the Higgs field makes sense as opposed to as an artificial get out of jail free card for the, for the mass generation. And the real question is, do you not understand that the key issue is naturality? What we have is a workable theory that is extremely unnatural. It's in a natural language. There are natural components. The Yang-Mills component is very natural. The Dirac component is very natural. The internal quantum numbers, incredibly unnatural. The Higgs potential, incredibly unnatural. The number of generations, incredibly unnatural. The chirality, knowing left from right, incredibly unnatural. What GU offers is a huge number of explanations of why this unnatural structure is not only natural, but gorgeous.
0: Very interesting. So in the last couple of minutes that we have left, um, well, you mentioned you're going to some Bitcoin conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, has, that, uh, has your thinking evolved on Bitcoin f- fixing this where this could be anything from uh, any nuclei? <laughs> I love <laughs> and, uh, those
1: guys. I know you. Because one them. of the reasons is that we fought. We went through this whole sort of interpersonal drama stupidity. Mm-hmm. And then they got kicked in the teeth when the, pr- the price of Bitcoin relative to fiat went down, and they realized that I wasn't their enemy. I was their friend. I mean, I'm not. I'm not one of them. I'm not putting on the laser eyes, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I want them to be the big dogs. At least they're excited about life. They're excited about something that's new. And a lot of them have made money. And sooner or later, you know, one of the things I took this guy, Robert Breedlove, who's one of the big Bitcoin guys, uh, yeah. to the University of Chicago. I wanted to show him what happens when you look at academic economics uh, from the point of view of a different academic subject. Anytime these guys want to, they can start endowing chairs in universities to make sure that professors are present who can say no. You know, it's interesting. like, Why is nobody endowing an anti-wokeness chair people are bitching about wokeness but you could actually use money to stop the persecution of scientists inside of universities by their woke colleagues from the humanities um
0: well you typically can't you know you as a donor you know de- determine who gets a particular job and uh, you i can, can imagine a, tremendous
1: a lot of amount with money at a university in fact some of the most disreputable people in the world have tried to launder their reputations by contributing to universities. I can think of a particular center at yes, a particular I, university. I not, bet you could, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not, I wasn't thinking about Jeff Epstein in the media oh. lab, but thank you for asking. Okay. The, 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 um, what I'm trying to say is we're acting powerless, and we're acting like we have an infinite amount of time, and we don't. And what, what, what we need is we need a tiny number of the world's smartest, richest people to wake up and recognize you're all gonna die and you're not gonna be able to take that with you. You could at least figure out um, how to maybe save all of humanity and your descendants because there's a huge thank you uh, for whoever it is that actually steps up to the plate. I don't know what they're doing. Hmm. We've produced the wrong elite for sure.
0: Hmm. Well, sir, in the remaining few minutes, I wanna open the floor to questions from you no i want to ask you uh what you're excited about not to be you know pollyannish about it we could talk a lot about but let's let's phrase it like this is it okay for me to ask you uh you know kind of coping strategies like what what are you doing to oh, take care I'm, of yourself
1: i'm really excited this, strangely about non-standard blues progressions so i've been working hmm. with stormy monday uh let's go get stoned um uh song, Drown in My Own Tears, uh, Train Kept a Rollin' All Night Long, and trying to understand why non-standard blues progressions are so brilliant, why the brain doesn't really notice uh, how ingenious they are. So that's been something I've been super excited about. Uh, I just got a new Spark uh, mini amplifier from Positive Grid they sent me. Uh, so now I can walk around with my electric guitar carrying a tiny amp with huge sound which is greatly fun. I'm spending a tremendous amount of time with your colleague and my son, uh, Zev who is on fire about history, philosophy, linguistics, physics, uh, differential geometry, and just to see life through the 16 year old eyes. Um, he's kicking my ass and all sorts of things. Uh, it's just one of the great feelings Uh, watching my daughter grow and trying to think about uh, my golden retriever and my wife uh, after the kids have gone. Um, And, uh, you know, dreaming about uh, travel and maybe getting back to Hindi and Russian and Turkish and languages that I love. So I'm still very much invested in, you know, food, song, friends, music. It's the desire to save all these things that leads to the heaviness. It's like, i love I love what we have so much, and I want to share it and i don't I don't know how to say I can't watch everything I care about being balanced on a pole um with a cat in, in, a, in a hat you know uh, keeping it on its nose. It's just like I end up as the fish because I care about all of the things that are at risk. Hmm
0: yeah it's true, as they say, you know if I have committed one crime, it's that I love too much, and obviously this this is all we have. I'm convinced forever but uh but maybe maybe Avi and the Galileo Project and other technologies will prove us wrong but uh but for now, I want to thank you. I want to wish you a happy spring, happy April Fool's Day, a solemn holiday observed with uh, many, many different uh, traditions around the world, right
1: let me just say something before you let me go it's been great watching uh you grow your channel grow your presence um and take on all the stuff you know with the dad jokes uh as the adult in the room and uh thank you for also bringing the perspective of the experimentalist um i think that you know you say this and we don't hear you enough and you say, isn't it interesting that we keep talking to the, the theorists uh, in physics who, who sort of scratch that itch where we don't believe in God, what is this place and what are we and and, and what is the cosmos and the universe? And I do think that uh, I'm going to be looking for what you're up to with the, the telescopes uh, in Chile, uh, anything you're, you're telling me about what's going on at the South Pole, cosmic inflation, uh, the new James Webb telescope. And I think focusing us more on experimental physics is something that is going to be part of um, what comes next. And I think it's an absolutely important thing that we start balancing some of the madness of theoretical physics with some of the practicality of the people who actually prove that these things are true, real, and have consequence. So thanks.
0: I appreciate that, and from what I'm looking forward to, <clears throat> it's really teaching. Teaching is a kind of a, a gift to the future, to your future self, to the future of humanity. I'm really enjoying it more than I ever did, and that's, you know, kind of all these weird things like being on a commercial airliner. You know, <laughs> like I enjoy it. Uh, it's it's weird to say, but especially being back with my students and teaching in person. There's no replacement. And I'm more bullish, you know, if you ask me during COVID, when we were talking about the academic hunger games two years ago for the first time on this channel, we rolled out that little, uh, Le Jardimaine or what is it called? Portmandu. Uh, I, I wouldn't have thought that academia could really survive. And, uh, and yet I, I think, I think it will because of there's some richness that's irreducible in the, uh, in the beautiful world of academia that involves people convening to discuss ideas and it still happens. And I'm still delighted and honored to have uh, people like you to share it with so well, uh, we have the
1: greatest diversity equity and inclusion program on earth and it's called passion and merit and it's open to one and all (laughs) absolutely well thank you my brother and uh it's good to see you good to see you too be well
0: we'll catch up again soon
1: any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable
0: from magic